The title of this morning's uh, sermon is In Search of a Sinner. In Search of a Sinner. And so we've started uh, going through the parables, and we're going to look this morning in Luke 15. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and, and turn over there. You know, with our chief text today being um, here from Luke, we're going to be looking at the inspiring love that's in the heart of God. Right? We're going to be hopefully able to, to connect with not, not so much what do we do, but just what does God do? And, and how does He feel about us this morning? So we're going to pick up in Luke 15, verse 1, and, and I'm going to read through this, and, and after I'll give you some context, and, and hopefully we can understand more and more what a radical Lord Jesus is. Right? And so, in verse 1 of Luke 15, it says this, Now the tax collectors... Uh, The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. That is Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep? Until he finds it. And when he finds it, he will joyfully put it on his shoulders and go and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Tells another parable. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. And in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know, for me, to sometimes to really be able to apply a scripture to myself well, it helps to have some context. right? And while this is a, an incredible passage, even if you just sit and think about what Jesus is saying, even in, in a modern sense, it's still pretty moving. But understanding the culture and understanding how radical Jesus is... Uh, may help us understand the love of God just a little bit more, right? You know, and so here, Jesus is, he's, he's bringing this parable up because of a very real situation that's going on in the Jewish culture, right? And, and in their culture, there's these religious leaders, there's the scribes and the Pharisees, and, and they're known for taking offense, you know, at, at this type of people, Right? Those people, right? And he's saying that Jesus would often spend their time with them. And Jesus is a rabbi, so he's a religious leader, right? And these are religious leaders, and they're, they're just so confused. Because to them, these, these people, these sinners, were referred to sometimes as the people of the land, 
right? So you have the, the people of the land that are out there. And the Pharisees created these strict barriers between these sinners or people of the land, you know, and it, he's saying these, these sinners, the tax collectors, all of these people, and he creates these, they create these barriers. And some of them, it was, it was crazy things. Some of it's like, if someone was one of these people, you didn't entrust money to them. You just didn't loan money to them at all. Their testimony, you didn't accept any testimony for them, from them, because they're, they're probably liars, so you don't take a testimony from them, right? You don't trust them with any secrets. You, you would never appoint one of these people a guardian of an orphan, right? Because they're just not trustworthy. You, you didn't accompany them on a journey. You didn't have them in your house, and you definitely didn't go to their house, right? You didn't eat with them. As much as the Pharisees could, they would even strive not to do business with these people. Because they were the sinners, and, and were the, the righteous ones, right? And, and so, it's in this culture where these Pharisees are looking at Jesus... Also a, a religious leader, a rabbi, a teacher. And he's, they're going, don't you know who these, like, you're eating with them. You're in their homes. You're, you're spending, like, what are you doing? Because for them, what's interesting is you didn't have them, you didn't have this sort of thing where, For us, we look at it and we go, there's joy in heaven for those who repent, right? That God loves a sinner. This idea didn't strike them, right? Their thought was not, there'll be joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Their understanding would something be better of, there's going to be joy in heaven over one sinner who's obliterated. Because they're just, they're, they're, they're the, they're, the sinners, the rejects, the unworthy individuals. And we're God's people. We're the righteous ones. We've got to be separate from them. And that's not at all what Jesus is saying. He's like, no, I'll eat with you. I'll come to your house. I'll spend time with you. Not, and it's, it's not because I want you to be destroyed. In fact, it's the complete opposite. So they're shocked. The Pharisees are shocked and disgusted to see Jesus doing this. And what's, what's interesting here, and I, I think a, a, a challenge would be, if you were told you were worthless by the leaders in your society, from when you were little to when you were old, would you not begin to at least consider that maybe you were worthless? Right? That you are of no value. And Jesus is like, No. This is not true. You know what you are? You're one of mine, and, and I'm going to come after you. And, and he compares it to a woman who, who's lost a coin. He says, you are valuable to me. You are not worthless. You are valuable. If I lose you, I will turn the lights on. I will sweep the house. I will come after you. Because you are so valuable to me. I love you. And you don't... They don't get this. And I am God. They are not. This barrier they've created, you're not worthless. You're far from it. Right? 
These religious, they looked forward to the destruction of these sinners. And Jesus looks to the salvation of them. It's much easier to believe this lie of the criticism and cynicism of the world around us. And the scariest part is when that gets into the church. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But Jesus' point is, my heart for you is so different. And so when I look at the scripture, I've heard sermons about this and how we need to seek and save the lost. But I want to look at God's heart. I don't want to talk about our society, our culture, that sort of thing. I want you to consider this. Jesus here is telling this parable not about how society should be, but he's just saying, this is the heart of of God. This is my heart for you. And I want you to hear, when I say you, I literally mean you today in this room. As you sit there, this is God's heart for you. Right? About how much God values everyone. But how much he really takes value in the lost. You know, in... I only have one point today. And it's that the shepherd will search. The shepherd will search. When you think of the depiction of a shepherd, what do you think of? What do you think of? See, for me, I think of, um, you know, those 11th, uh, 16th century paintings of some guy out in a very green field. And he's got these very fluffy, docile, stupid animals just kind of gathered around him. And he has this shepherd's crook and he's very, like, peaceful face. You guys know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I think of when I think of a shepherd. I don't, I don't think of... So when I think of a shepherd, I don't, I'm not, like, inspired by a shepherd. But see, I, I have this depiction... Which is probably not, it, it's really not a very accurate depiction. There's, there's one writer, he wrote this, and I've only changed it a little because I thought it was so interesting. But he, he writes this depiction of a shepherd. And I want you to listen and try to envision this. Alright? Man standing on the hill out in Israel. So says, a shepherd stands on a high moor, across which... Uh, at night, the hyenas howl. He stands sleepless, far-sighted, weather-beaten, armed, prefer- prepared to fight and defend, leaning on his staff, looking over his scattered sheep, and every one of them is on his heart. See, I don't... As I sat and I, I read through this slowly and thinking of this depiction, I, I don't see this calm person. I see this guy, he's, he's armed. Some of them, would, whether they had clubs or slings, they had their rod and their staff, right? And certainly, his job is to keep the sheep, to keep them together and, and try to move them around and make sure that they're fed and they're watered and they're cared for. But you know what they all, he also had to do? He had to fight for them. He had to defend them. He would, there would be wolves that would attack the flock. He would have to attack the wolves to drive them off. To fight against panthers and hyenas and jackals and all of these things that would come after his flock. When it gives this phrase of the the shepherd would lose the one. And it says he will go out and search for it until he finds it. And what does it say? It says he would joyfully put on his shoulders. 
Now, a sheep, in my mind, when I first started going through this, I'm like, okay, putting it on his shoulders. You know what I envisioned? A lamb. I envisioned a lamb on his shoulders. And I'm like, a lamb, okay. A little lamb, that's cute. You know how much a full-grown sheep can weigh? It'll weigh anywhere from 80 to about 180 pounds, the type that they had there. So I'm, I'm I'm a little bit more than 180 pounds, right? And you figure, you know, somebody who's just 80 pounds, I think, okay, 80 pounds, that would be tough to carry for, you know, to the top of the parking garage, right? Imagine... If you had to carry me miles after you just came after me to search for me. And, and you're thinking, this, this stupid sheep. I can't believe this sheep. Where is it going? No, you know what it says? He tracks it down. He searches until he finds it. Over the hills, looking for it. These, are, these men are expert trackers. And then it says he would joyfully take the sheep. Who joyfully takes that burden on their shoulders? You made me walk all this way. You know, that's what I would think. No, he says he joyfully puts it over his shoulders and he walks back. You know, and I bring this up in this whole depiction because I'm uninspired by that docile shepherd, but this warrior shepherd is kind of what I see. I don't, I don't see this calm. Everything's just totally peaceful all the time. No, it's someone who's looking. He's seeking. He sees his sheep out there and he's got each one on his heart. How's he doing? This one likes to run away. I'm going to keep an eye on them because I love that stupid sheep. Right? I'm going to go after him and joyfully bring him back if he needs to. Didn't Jesus do that for you? At some point, he's done that for you. Right? Maybe, maybe he's out there looking for you right now. He's, he's the one, he's, he's going after you, you know, because he values you. And he will joyfully carry you home. Put you on his shoulders. Carry you, your burdens, everything you've got. To just to bring you home. So it's a little wonder why God chose a shepherd to be the image of Christ. Because this is how Jesus is with us. You know, this is the image of God's heart. Where he says, he cares so much for sinners. Those who are imperfect, that he goes and he seeks after them. Because God deeply desires sinners to be saved. Are you a sinner? You know, I think sometimes I feel like, yeah, I'm the sinner. Sometimes I feel like just I'm the righteous one. You know what's great? Is that God really rejoices over those who wander when they come home. You know, he, he loves you. He appreciates us who don't wander. And at times, we will all have times where we're tempted or we will. Right? And God will come after us and joyfully strive to bring us home. Right? This is the beauty of the gospel. That God desired so much for us to be saved. He he sought out us, the lost, mankind, that, that God would come as a human. 
to carry not just a lamb on his shoulders, but to carry a cross on his shoulders. To, to carry that burden so that our burdens could be put upon him. So that one day he could carry us home. Right? Because he loves us. You know, when I mentioned before, how do we feel about when the church, if, if we begin to feel in a, in a church environment. I've been reading this book, and it was very good. But how do we feel in a church environment when we think like we're valueless? We're worthless. Or because we sin or we do something wrong, that God is just angry. He's done with us. He's, he's tired of us. Right? Because we've, we're imperfect. We're, you sin and you just feel covered in guilt. You just feel so guilty because God, you're like, He's ashamed of me. You know, the, the, in, this, in this book, this, this guy, he did a survey of these students in, in a university. And this is at a religious university. And in the survey, he asked them, how does God feel about you when you sin? And, and they gave a bunch of different answers. He's disappointed, he's sad, he's hurt, he's angry. You know, the, that he's apart from me, he's distant from me. All, all of these different answers. You know what almost none of them said? That he loves me. That even when I sin, my God loves me. That when I'm, I'm apart, when I feel unworthy, he's saying, I value you. You are my child. I will come after you. And people, one of the beautiful things about God is God is so much kinder and more merciful than we are. You know, because let's be honest, none of us are God. And there are times where we get tired of each other. And it's hard. And we're called to be like Jesus. But the one amazing thing about Jesus and about God is that while man may give up on someone, God will never stop trying to come after you. You know, he sets up miracles, big and small, right? Through seemingly random interactions or events. Maybe when you got reached out to. Maybe just through your day-to-day life, even as a disciple, where God's going, don't forget about me. Don't you forget about me. Let me remind you that I love you and I'm after you. That, that I'm keeping you. Here's, here's my staff. I'm pulling you back in. Sometimes here's my rod. I'm beating you back in, right? But he's going, because I value you. And I want you to be safe. Because you're important to me, right? And all of these events, he does it so that he can bring us home. You know, I, had a, I learned this Bible study. Most, uh, most of us know it. Um, but it's a, a study that we call Seeking God, right? And when I learned this Bible study, I learned it in the sense of when you study this scripture with somebody, you study, you do this Bible study, the challenge that you put forth is you need to seek God. You need to seek God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength, right? And that's true. That is true. But it took me years before I realized something important about that Bible study. That the Seeking God study is not, it shouldn't be just a command study. We think of it as you need to, it's you seeking God. And the reality is it's God is a seeking God. And maybe you haven't looked at that Bible study in years. Maybe you've never seen it. 
right? And if you've never seen it before, uh, maybe if you're visiting with us, I'd encourage you, ask somebody to study that with you. If maybe you've not seen it in years and you've forgotten, see if you can jump in on that Bible study. If you've not seen it in years, go and, and look at it. But the heart is, is God is seeking you. Because he values you. See, that's Jesus' point here. That you're so important to me. And while the world may tell you that you have no value. That relationships, even outside and inside the church, we can feel like they're valued less than they should be. Where man will let us down, God will not. And you will never decrease in value to him. You will always be deeply valuable. And he will always be coming after you. God desires to seek and save the lost. And yes, we should have a heart and strive to have a heart like God. Sure. But the thing I want you to take away from it is that this is how God feels about you today. This is how he feels about the rejects of our society. What our society would say are the people we don't want around. People we're uncomfortable to have in church. Those are the people Jesus wants in our church. The ones who don't smell very good are the ones who smell great to God when they come in. Right? That's the fragrance of the love of God. Right? The uncomfortable, anxiety-inducing sometimes. God's going, I really hope they come. I, I really hope that that they get this message. That they hear how much I love them. Because I do. And He loves you the same way. He loves us who don't wander. But man, when one of us wanders, when anybody who's never, who, who hasn't been saved comes in, why do you think we rejoice and sing songs when people get baptized? When, when we have a restoration, a restoration to Jesus is... I feel like we have a bigger party sometimes when the people get baptized and Jesus is going, hey, that's a part of my sheep who was a part and he wandered off. I will rejoice. The angels rejoice in heaven. We should have even greater rejoicing when someone comes back who's walked away. But let us rejoice when we see those times. Because God values them and he values you and he wants us to rejoice together. He celebrates in heaven, right? But I'd say this, maybe you feel like the one today who's unworthy of notice. Maybe you're broken. Maybe you're lost. Maybe you're the disciple who feels like, I just, I don't feel like I'm valued. You are valued. And maybe that value doesn't come through well enough from the disciples and we should change that. But who values you the most is Jesus. So deeply. More than you will ever, ever fathom, grasp. It won't ever come even close to understanding how hard God has sought for you from the beginning of time to now to the end of time. He has had a plan to see you and try to help you be saved. You talk about turning on a light and sweeping a house. He has made a plan for eternity to give you the opportunity to know him. We should rejoice when those things happen. Right? Because He cares for you so much. 
So when you sin, if you think that God is only staring at you with disgust or disgruntled because of your ways, thinking how he's done with you, God must be done with me. You need to rest assured that you're wrong. You are wrong. And I don't mean that in the, no, no, you're wrong. I mean, you're wrong. (laughs) He is not done with you. Because he values you so deeply. He will always love you. He will never give up on you. And when people's love wavers, God's love never will. I want to close out with this poem that I found. It says, Souls of men, why will you scatter like a crowd of frightened sheep? Foolish hearts, why will you wander from a love so true and deep? Was there ever kindest shepherd, half so gentle and half so sweet, as the Savior who would have us come and gather around his feet? For the love of God is broader than the measure of man's mind. And the heart of the eternal is most wonderful and kind. Let us rejoice in the love of our God and pray we always have a similar love and joy for the lost. Amen. 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 Let's go ahead.